spring forward at Banana Republic Factory with 50 to 70% off everything. Shop season favorites from colorful dresses to easy tops from $19.99. Find your nearest store or shop online only at Banana Republic Factory. Enjoy 50 to 70% off almost everything at Gap Factory and GapFactory.com. Shop tees from $6.99 and joggers from $24.99, plus extra 15% off online. Exclusions apply. Shop the sale through April 6th. Me, 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 but also you. The Pharaoh fast-forwards his favorite foreign film, Powder Donut. <clears throat> Okay, what's my line? Uh, the only line I see here on the script is get options based on your budget with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. Oh man, that's a tongue twister, huh? I'm sorry, I'm gonna need a few more minutes. <clears throat> bulbous Walrus, the Bulbous Walrus. The Name Your Price tool, only from Progressive. The owl ran afoul of the comatose Coxswain. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey guys, Dave from DC On Screen here. Jason and I recently became aware that our host has been running Donald Trump ads on our freaking show. And rest assured, they totally did that shit without our consent. Man, we firmly believe that real-world politics have no place on our programming. The whole giant size team-up network is up in arms about this, like Blazing Defender Report, uh, MCU Cast, Rock God of Podcasting, Breaking the Panel, Booze and Phasers, Panel by Panel. We're, we're all working hard to stop the powers that be from running polarizing political garbage on our intellectual property. It's like coming home to find some assholes running for city council and their minions have put a sign in your front yard. So we absolutely apologize if the ads made you think differently of us. Or honestly, if they just bummed you out. I I know I don't want to hear a bunch of political ads when I'm trying to listen to people talk comics. We know you don't want to hear it either. So thanks for listening. We love you guys. Enjoy the show. Welcome into DC On Screen, your guide to the DC Universe on film and television. I am your host, David C. Robertson. This is my co-host, Jason Goss. Hey. And this is episode 212. It is a news episode. Beware of spoilers. If it's been released, we're going to talk about it. And boy, did some stuff get released. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, um. Dig in. My bur- my birthday was this week. Oh, yeah, that's right. Happy birthday. Again. Hooray. Um, <laughs> all right, everyone. Wish him happy birthday. Wish me happy birthday. Make me feel Did you hear special. all that? You heard all that, Dave? Yeah. They all... You know, all those obscenities being thrown at me. Yeah. I, I heard it. Yeah. So, but see, it's just uh, silence. So you can pretend a lot of people said happy birthday or just accept that you wouldn't have been able to hear it anyway. But you mm-hmm. can't get any more down on yourself than it already is. I can get more down on myself. We'll see. Yeah. You'll, you'll know. All right. Technically, you shouldn't be happen. able to, but <laughs> I tried. So the dark, so the dark Knight bat suit and bat pod sold at an auction. Uh, the bat pod got sold for $406,000. I actually thought it'd be more than that. And that was a working yeah. bike, wasn't it? Uh, you know, I don't know. I, I doubt it does the little flip up and down the walls thing, you know, All right. for real. But I it looked like the, the thing where it extends and goes low on you. It looked like that was real. Mm-hmm. It doesn't negligently uh, murder citizens. No, <laughs> not nearly as often. Um, so, yeah, it was done by this uh, props, the prop store auction, uh, which is a UK memorabilia company. It was uh, a big online auction. Uh, they also sold the Batman suit, the actual the Dark Knight Batman suit, uh, $250,000. Jeez. So they had stuff from Star Wars, the Goonies, Jaws, a whole bunch, a whole bunch of different uh, properties. 
God, so you, that's kind of interesting. You know whoever bought that suit can't really fill it out. <laughs> uh, yeah, they were... Uh, Stephen Lane, the uh, chief executive officer of the prop store, was saying that you know it probably won't get worn by anybody. They He says that they'll really end up in a glass display somewhere. Yeah, vacuum sealed. Mm, I, I would hope. Uh, do you know who Asa Butterfield is? No. <laughs> he was a kid in the Enders game. He came like this close. Oh, to the kid that Spider-Man. was just about to be Spidey. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Uh, so he wants to be a part of the DCEU. He says DC. Honestly, just from the comics and the cartoon series, I like the grittiness of DC. Um, he says he liked Batman v Superman. He was a big fan of it. He says he's really excited to see Justice League. He says he wants to be in the DCU. He doesn't want to be Robin though, but he he would like to be uh, Billy Batson maybe. Oh, that'd be fun. Still, I I look at him and I think Tim Drake pretty quickly. Yeah, I mean, how do you like not be like, hey, I want to be Damian Wayne? How do you not want to be a Robin? I, I don't know. Well, I mean, yeah. even Damian Wayne doesn't actually want to be a Robin, but until he can kill his dad successfully, he'll just have to. <laughs> anyway, so last week we were talking about uh, Jeff Bukas talking to addressing the uh, the Goldman Sachs investors. And we missed a big thing, but I don't feel that bad because everybody else missed it except for one one duo, one tiny one little outlet. Duo. Our buddies Scott and Tim at the Suicide Squad cast went back, listened to the raw audio. Turns out Jeff Bukas says the Batman solo movie is a year and a half out. No one else caught it but them. They're being <laughs> they're they're they've blown up, guys. Mm-hmm. We we uh, you know. I'm not mad at him. No, good. no. Good catch, I, um, guys. I, yeah, it was a great catch. I saw that, and I totally didn't rip all of my pillows in the house apart. Yeah. <laughs> a couple of them, like, when you got to the end, your arms were too weak, and a few of them remained. <laughs> right. And then you just needed to lie down on something. Right. Yeah. So, oh my gosh, good good, good, good catch. catch. Yeah. Oh my lord, congratulations, guys. We, we were they are nowhere near all that over the place week. now. No. Um... <laughs> Moving on to um, Batman v Superman, Ben Affleck is was asked by uh, he's you know doing all this press for the, his new movie The Accountant, which by the way looks pretty phenomenal. It kind of does. Um, he's being interdu- uh, interviewed about that, and he was asked what his thoughts about BVS were, and he says it's interesting. It was a huge hit movie. More people went to see that than any movie I've made in my career. It was the biggest hit of my career, and then it had so much editorial negativity. Fans went, and I got a lot of positive response. It was interesting, that movie, because it was judged not necessarily on execution so much as on its tone. People seemed to want to have a lighter tone to the movie. And I thought that was interesting. Tone is not a qualitative thing. It's subjective, right? Some tones resonate with me that might not with you. And the tone of the movie was really parallel to the Frank Miller book, The Dark Knight Returns, which I liked and thought was great. I'm glad that so many people went and so many people liked the movie. Uh, When they asked what he thought of it, he says, yeah, yeah, I loved it. So I kind of think the movie was also um, heavily critiqued for some of its execution, like, no, I mean he's like the editing, yeah, and the Martha as a, thing. As a gist, I think he's uh, he's still being accurate, but yeah, it did it did get mm-hmm. some. Mm-hmm. It, it, but yeah, if I would all say he meant was that it was. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean if if all he meant was that it was uh, the overwhelming criticism focused on the tone, then yeah, he's he's, he's right. Yeah, sure. Speaking of, I BBS, do feel bad for him. I mean, look at all these I do too. tickets. Oh. <laughs> 
speaking of that, and you know what? They, they like, Man of Steel, oh, sorry, not Man of Steel, Batman v Superman, like, I don't even think I'd put this down anywhere, but they blew the world away with, that, with their Blu-ray and DVD sales the first week they were out. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, it was, uh, it was fun. To, I mean, anecdotally, I, I went to a couple of stores that week, as, as one does, and mm-hmm. I knew when it was coming out because... You know, I, I was getting my, I got my copy like on my, on the porch that morning. Um, oh yeah, me too. <laughs> so I know what day I was expecting to get this. Cause uh, so I was, uh, I was, I was making sure I could like get back from work real quick, snatch that off the porch and get it back inside and head back. But, um, I, I went to, God, I went to the store like the next day and those giant cardboard blocked out things they have in the big box stores, mm-hmm. they already had other movies on it. It was like the next mm-hmm. day, and they already they were already pulling in stuff that you could tell the the retail manager was like, "Well, that's kind of similar." Grab that. Do we have any Green Lanterns left? Throw them on the shelf. Yep. Yeah, it moved. Yeah, it made thirty one million in its first week Blu ray sales. It's not bad. No, <laughs> it's just not bad at all. <laughs> this isn't. That's not the behavior of a movie that's considered bad <laughs> that no one loved. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Uh, speaking of which, you can get the Batman v Superman Dawn of Justice Ultimate Edition Blu-ray DVD HD combo in a new set, which is a Batman v Superman Man of Steel box set. It's going to be an Amazon exclusive available December 6th, 2016. It's going to have what I just said, BVS Ultimate Edition on Blu-ray DVD digital HD. It's going to have the Man of Steel Blu-ray reprints for Action Comics number 1 and Detective Comics number 27, the first Superman and Batman appearances, respectively. Uh, there are going to be DC collector's figures of New 52, Jim Lee-designed Batman and Superman. Um, they're going to have trading cards, exclusive limited edition trading cards for Batman v Superman Donald Justice in this thing. It's going to be $123.99, but a lot of shit in there, man. Oh, yeah. Big gift set. I'm sure it'll do well for the holidays. Mm-hmm. Did you see these alternate designs for Aquaman's trident and Wonder Woman's sword? Mm, no, I didn't. Um, there's a whole bunch of stuff, actually. It's um, concept artist Robert McKinnon. He worked on Iron Man 3. He worked on Captain America the Winter Soldier. And he worked on Batman v Superman. Yeah. And he put out a bunch of concept art on his website. Alternate designs for the trident of Neptune. There are like four or five of those. There are about 20 different swords of Athena for Wonder Woman. Um, there's an alternate Man of Steel statue um, where it's sort of, and it's, it's pretty badass actually. It looks like he's flying and like clearly like there would have been some sort of structure behind him and like his cape is made up of like a waterfall. Hmm. Um, instead of uh, false God written across, it says Nazi God. Um <laughs> He's yeah. got like alternate versions of the Kryptonite spear, the Batwing, uh, designs for Gotham City, Superman's casket, the Bat symbol. It's pretty badass. So I'll I'll provide a link to that um, in the show notes. If it's a guy I'm thinking, uh, that I'm thinking about, um, he's kind of everywhere. Like across, uh, what was his name again? McKinnon, Robert McKinnon. God, I think it's the same guy. I'd have to go do a little bit of research, but um, it's one of the guys that's been like all over the costumes for everything we've been watching for years now. <laughs> Every superhero he's kind of come in and, and touched here and there. That doesn't sound right. I'll find a name here. Catch you up on it later. <laughs> this McKinnon guy has been going around touching superheroes. Touching them. Um, <laughs> dude, did you did you see the Batman v the Batman v Batman trailer that Screen Rant did? No, I didn't. I'm gonna watch that though. I'm gonna watch it in the background while you're uh, while you're dealing with that. 
Um, I'm going to, again, I'm going to provide a link in the, in the show notes for it. I'm usually not one for the, uh, the fan mashup trailers. They did a really good job. They did a really good job matching scenes and I'm just going to have to spoil it for Jason Mm -hmm. then since he's watching it. When Christian Bale goes to Michael Keaton for help. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, oh my heart. I was delighted as a child. <laughs> well, this is this is thrown together exactly as well as you said it would be. I know. Well, damn. All right. Well, moving on, but still, good job, guys. <laughs> All right. Before we get into any more news, I'm gonna jump really quick. You guys know we are sponsored by Loot Crate um, for October. They're doing horror theme. We knew they were gonna go there. Naturally. We talked about it last week. Anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, they are taking over 40 years of creepy, campy, bloody icons, putting them in this month's crate. Channel your best final girl with items from The Walking Dead, Nightmare on Elm Street, Friday the 13th, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, and Halloween. Ain't no gone in 60 seconds in there this time. You have until the 19th at 9 p.m. Pacific to subscribe and receive that month's crate. And when the cutoff happens, you are screwed, guys. So make sure you head over to lootcrate.com forward slash giant size team up. Enter the code giant size team up. Save a little cash on your on your loot. It's going to be less than $20 a month. It's still a good deal. And as they pointed out, no Nicolas Cage this time. No Nicolas Cage this time. Not one chance that you're going to get a tiny... <laughs> actually, I was about to say articulated Nicolas Cage figure, but somehow I thought articulated Nicolas Cage, are n- those, those three words aren't supposed to get together directly. Well, every once in a while, he's very well articulated. <laughs> it's, just been, it's been so long. All right, moving on to Suicide Squad, $738.8 million worldwide, it's doing okay. over $320 million domestic. It has passed into the 50 highest grossing movies of all time. It has surpassed Iron Man. I actually am surprised. Iron Man did so that's, damn well. Yeah, that's crazy, yeah. guys. So, good job. Good job proving the critics wrong, I guess. Like, I kind of feel like this was happening. Like, the fans are just going, you know what? We're going to go every day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, maybe it's that there isn't much to watch out there right now. I, you know, I, it seems like I, there I was will, a ton of uh, ton of stuff over the summer, but, man, it, uh, that's a ton of money to bring in. It is, it is, by and large, been a fairly disappointing summer, from what I understand. Mm. Maybe they just I normally don't go out to the movies. I normally don't go out to the movies unless it's a superhero movie or a Star Trek movie. Yeah, I did see Ghostbusters. Because I'm, you know, I have to save my rubles. Yeah. <laughs> I'll watch all them other movies on the Netflix or something. Yeah, they'll, they'll come around for much cheaper things. <laughs> I'm not going to spend $12 for John Cusack to look sad for two hours. Yeah, I mean... <laughs> If you give it a few months, there will be some service that I'm already subscribed to where I can go watch him be sad on my couch for free. Absolutely. Or for what uh, feels Courtney. like free, since I've already paid for it. <laughs> right. Jai Courtney is uh, delightful. He was on um, MTV's uh, Josh Horowitz Happy, Sad, Confused podcast. Okay. Um, he talked about how he doesn't really listen to reviews. When it gets a little too noisy, he just tunes out. He says he thought everyone did a great performance on Suicide Squad. Um, he does say that adapting a comic book is, uh, you're asking for it, is what he says. He says, how do you please well, everyone? Actually. He says, how do you please everyone? I don't think Suicide Squad ever intended to, so no one's setting out to upset the fan base. Certainly not a fan base that can be as loyal as this kind of crowd can. But I don't know how you can push the envelope or try and protect something without taking risks. I know what I like in a movie, and it's not the same thing as my 12-year-old niece. 
It's a challenge, and David Ayer did an incredible job, and I sure as hell hope we get to make another one with him. Yeah. Um, and they're t- he's talking about, you know, how he, film. They're, they were talking about how film, about fil- films that seem to please everyone, and um, the Dark Knight trilogy was brought up. And he did acknowledge that they were really good films, and they were praised for the, you know, he, he did praise the high quality of those films. Um, he even talked about how he would, uh, he he wouldn't mind being a part of Marvel if it was more of his style. But he did point out DC's still the bad guy too, you know. Marvel has this incredible formula that seems to work. I think some elements of those movies, not that I see a lot of them, but I think some are done really, really well and they're very entertaining. They've had the, they've had the time to sort of let that shit marinate to the point where everything's established now. We don't have to figure out who anyone is. It's like, cool, get them all together and let's have a fucking orgy and make a billion dollars. And that's great. <laughs> I think it's awesome. Listen, if I was playing Thor for the ninth time, you know, I'd be stoked as well, as I'm sure Chris is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, uh... <laughs> the man's making good points uh, so far. What else yeah, you got, Josh? Josh Horowitz, Josh Horowitz said, um, asked him about the rumors that he was in The Flash. And he's like, oh, is that what the rumor is? I like that rumor. I like that a lot. <laughs> but he, he goes on to say, but, you know, we don't really know. Uh, you're all just mushrooms at DC, kept in the dark and fed shit all day. Yeah. <laughs> I like his diction. I like this guy. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, he was he was a lot of fun to listen to. I listened to the podcast to hear what he had to say. It was it was a lot of fun. Um, I'm starting to think when so the, when Ayer told him to find his inner shit bag, some of the vocabulary stuck around. <laughs> I mean, you know, which is by the way one of the greatest phrases in the history of directing. Find hey, your you know, inner shit even, bag. Yeah, in this interview, he even did admit like this is you know, like Suicide Squad being like shit on and review wise was not the worst tentpole movie he's ever been a part of. I mean, this <laughs> I, I mean, guy started his career with Jack Reacher. Or he started popping off with it. Oh no, no, remember I uh, Frankenstein? If you'll recall, well, maybe that one. But uh, I was the first thing I thought. I the first thing I ever saw him in was um, a Good Day to Die Hard, the fifth Die Hard movie. Oh my. He was John McClane's son. God, he was, wasn't he? Mm-hmm. And then, of course, there's Terminator Genesis. Man, I, it's got to be rough when somebody tells you you're going to have a, a role as cool as... You're going to be John McClane's freaking son. That's mm-hmm. great! What's the movie going to be? You, know, you get into it, and then you get on the other side of that and think, how did that go wrong? Okay, quick little detour here. <laughs> a Good Day to Die Hard was not a bad film. I'm aware. It was. I'm just I'm scoffing at the fact film. that we've finally warned someone that we were going to take a detour. Go ahead. <laughs> it was a bad film in as much as every Die Hard movie is has been kind a bad of a bad film, film. Yeah. now I love the Die Hard movies I do I don't buy into this theory that John McClane or anyone else beca- suddenly became a superhero in the fourth movie there are videos to prove <laughs> otherwise they had medical professionals sit there and tell you nope he would have been dead 14 times over yeah, by this point I can't remember, this, um, just the first movie who is it that does that there's a, there's a YouTube channel that actually does that you recall them? I don't remember their name. Oh, I crap. don't remember. I'm sorry. Their name. We'd love to give those guys a shout out at this point. Yes, I would. But um, yeah, I have watched that. They got gone through like how many different times he would have been injured, either either to the point that he wouldn't make it any further in the film, or would have mm-hmm. just died instantly, or would have at least been mortally wounded and eventually probably died without immediate medical. Oh, help. of course, it was screen junkies. Oh, screen junkies. 
honest action. They have two videos. Die Hard, the first one, because that's how many times he died in the first one, mm -hmm. or should have. And then they have a second video that's two through five. So ah. you guys could just get off of your high horse and stop talking about <laughs> how the four and five were so unrealistic compared to the first three. I'm sorry nostalgia is coloring your view of the past. Those other movies were shit. They were all kind of Amazing. Bad. Amazing. And I love them to, to death. I'll watch them right now. Not right now because I'm doing the podcast. Just after. But right after or something. But <laughs> Wait for Christmas. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, that's that's good. Good family viewing. <laughs> uh, so anyway, have you seen the Fifty Shades of Joker parody? No. It's by YouTube. Uh, YouTube guy, nerdy hero. Go check it out. It's fun. <laughs> I mean, they it's it's exactly what it sounds like. I I've I saw it. I saw that it existed, but I don't know. Mm -hmm. I, I know what Fifty Shades of Grey is roughly referring to, and I, I, I don't I don't know anything else about it. Yeah, they basically just he basically just took the trailer and messed around with it until it looked and with Suicide Squad stuff until it was Fifty Shades of Joker. That's basically what happened. Okay, I, would, uh, I wouldn't so know when to tell them they got it right or wrong. I just have no idea. Never. <laughs> That's okay. I read. I actually, I was in a thrift store one day and saw Fifty Shades of Grey and went, ah, okay, and like read one page, one page somewhere in the middle of the book and went, all right, well, that's detailed. <laughs> Put it back on the shelf oh, and uh, walked away. Oh, it's bad, man. I mean, I'm not even talking about morally bad. I mean, it is kind of that too, but I'm talking about just like it's it's not good writing by any stretch. It was um, it was not my thing. Just 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 not my thing. It was like someone who just went through puberty wrote a book. <laughs> it, yeah, it, it felt like that. We're going to get a lot of hate from some people that really like that book, but... I don't give a shit. Eh. <laughs> We've gotten hate for worse things. Moving on! I guess so. And better things. Yeah, that's true. So Clay, Ain Clay Enos has... Uh, he shared a behind-the-scenes squad shot. You remember the first Suicide Squad photo we got of them all standing yeah. together? Yeah, the big old group shot. It is... It is a shot by Eric Matthews of Enos taking that shot of him like laying on the ground and like lining it up. So that's pretty cool. Mm -hmm. I dig stuff like that. Mm -hmm. um, there were also alternate costume designs that were released online uh, for Suicide Squad by concept artist uh, Stefan uh, Martinier, who did Avengers Age of Ultron and Guardians of the Galaxy. See, okay, see, Marvel versus DC, guys. Behind the scenes, it's all the same cats. Just shut up. It really is. Um, <laughs> look at some of those stuntmen one day. <clears throat> right? It's amazing. Um, but yeah, there is a bunch of um, artwork for like alternate costumes for Katana, Entra Enchantress, uh, Incubus, the Eyes of the Adversary. See, David Ayer would have you believe he just dreamed the shit up and then drew it down, like wrote it down. Like he just drew a picture of what they looked like, and they're like, "That's what we're doing." No, man, there was there were also concept artists working on this thing, <laughs> as there always freaking are. Yeah. <laughs> so, Flash director Rick Famuyiwa posted a picture of the Flash script, his revision um, script. On top was a Funko Pop of the Flash, mm -hmm. and next to him there was another pair of feet. It was Funko Pop Cyborg. Hmm. Uh, hmm. Uh, wonder what he's hitting at. Mm-hmm. Wonder what he's hitting at there, buddy. <laughs> wink, wink. Nudge, nudge. Mm. So Can't Superman homepage. Nudge, nudge. Just can't be done. I know. It's, it's weird. 
uh superman homepage is um hinting not really hinting they don't know for sure but someone posted a picture of a crane at the kent farm what looks like the kent farm location and they're saying it's, it's for the justice league shot um Superman homepage seems to be uh, not so sure. They say, for all we know, they could be servicing a silo or something. (laughs) 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 So that's out there. (laughs) Uh, Amy Uh Adams has (laughs) has been talking about using her imagination in Justice League, um, talking about Lois Lane and playing Lois Lane and visiting her for a third movie. She says, The most challenging part is playing the same character, but with different requirements for each story. In Man of Steel, the focus was Superman and our personal story. Batman v Superman was to introduce Batman while keeping Lois as a through line. As far as Justice League, she says, A lot of imagination is required on set. Sometimes you have to pretend you're in a huge city. It's about completely getting lost in what we create. Mm -hmm. Which, you know... Any of these big tentpole films, you, you know, they're most of the time they're just reacting to a green screen. Oh, yeah. I mean, you have to know that. Yeah. I've seen hilarious pictures of Ian McKellen sitting in a room full of green looking sad because he hasn't seen people in days. <laughs> like he's he's just lost touch with the human race. <laughs> oh, man. I hate you, Jason. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> like, the picture, I, I saw it and laughed and went, oh. <laughs> it was literally my 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 reaction was <laughs> no. <laughs> so Justice League has wrapped in Leavesden. They uh, they've they've wrapped up. Jason Momoa was not able to go to the wrap party. He posted on Instagram. He had to go be like, awesome picture. somewhere else. Yeah, he like posted a picture on Instagram of him just working out and looking badass. And he's like, uh, "There's too many to thank, too many people to thank for all their hard work." Uh, JL tonight is our rap party. I am so thankful for my cast and crew. I love you. I have never in my life missed a rap party, but as you all know, I'm a huge fan of the food and merriment. Unfortunately, I prepare for the North. For... <laughs> I prepare for the North. This is, this is how this guy talks. <laughs> for those that will be there, I won't let you down. Shaka Aloha. See you Monday. <laughs> He signs an Aquaman. <laughs> that's fantastic. No, he's got the diction down. If that's right. actually how he speaks, I prepare for the North. You don't... I prepare for the North. Just um. tell him what his character is supposed to be getting across in parentheses. Every, don't actually write any dialogue for him. Yeah, so he's uh, purportedly going to Iceland, uh, to Dejupovic. So, oh, poor there's bastard. that. Nothing against yeah. Iceland in theory, but oh my god, I can't deal with the cold. I would mm. wither... I would wither like a forgotten flower in yep. about 42 but, you know, seconds. Uh, yeah, meanwhile, they had this big rap party in uh, at the Forge Bar in London. looked kind of fun. Mm-hmm. They Well, some pictures have been posted. Mostly people who work at the bar posing with, uh, with the Justice League members. Sure, because, um, yes. So, yeah. Ezra Miller has been talking about why he's excited. The main reason he's excited for his role in Fantastic Beasts and Justice League. This is what he had to say, and this made me just love Ezra Miller so much. He says, I think about this quite a lot. I'm really excited for my action figures. (laughs) 
I will That's... have all of them. <laughs> <laughs> I will have the heaviest collected versions of them, hopefully with like exchangeable suits. Maybe some sort of like toy where it fits in the little hand, the little plastic hand. Yeah. That's going to be very weird. I do imagine that that will be odd, but I'm down. I definitely want to make Credence and the Flash have a little battle. Yeah, that part of this stuff. I mean, like, going into a room where there's maybe actually 1,000 cameras surrounding you that they can take a picture so that they can, like, calculate your skeleton so that they can make a mold of your body, and it's beyond me, like, genuinely way over my head. But I'm really enjoying all aspects of the process, and yeah... I'm really hoping to milk this whole experience for as many action figures as I can get. <laughs> not just action, <laughs> not just action figures of myself, which is obviously cool for its own reasons, but just action figures in general from both of the worlds I'm involved in. Yeah. What is wrong with you, man? Nothing. I mean, nothing. Obviously, that is a beautiful, obviously, beautiful thing. It's the same thing that's wrong with me because I would be the same. I, 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 I don't collect these things. Shit. I would still do that. <laughs> if I played a bit part in some freaking uh, forgotten NCIS episode and they happen to make a poster of me, that shit would be on my wall. Of course, yeah. You know, I uh, God help me if there was a yeah. an action figure, I would I would own every possible variant. Oh yeah, me too, me too. I man, like I've one released into... only in Hong Kong, and there were forty of them. I would travel the world. I have seriously looked into like different custom action figure companies mm -hmm. just to make a limited edition run of like five action figures for all the Hey Guy characters. <laughs> <laughs> we did an improvised, me and Jason and a few other guys did an improvised web series on YouTube. It's still up. It's, it's, you can look for David C. Robertson. You'll find it. Yeah. It's an improvised web series. It's just, you know, we play old men sitting on a couch bickering and there's actually a story to it if you watch all of it. But I want action figures of these characters. I don't know why. <laughs> I was because they would make me happy. I was fully for the exact a part reason of that. we were just talking about. For better or worse, and I, 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 I couldn't. <laughs> you know, and, the and that's the sad we part. I, I wouldn't wish them, but if they were there, I would immediately need them. Oh sure, dude. I've talked to. It's uh, like the way I think White about or... red velvet cake. I never want it around me oh. because I know that immediately I will have it in me. <laughs> that's the same thing with the action figures. If they're around me, I know I'm going to put them inside of me. Right. Boo. <laughs> um, but no. Our... <laughs> Our fan slash friend Christopher White has talked to me. He's watched all of Hey Guy. <laughs> that poor guy. I, I apparently enjoyed it, but uh, he said he would buy action figures <laughs> if we made them. Oh, man. <laughs> I wish I had enough money to just make uh, some and send them to him. Yeah, me too. So Ben Affleck has been talking about the Batman tactical suit. Um, he says there's two, ju there's two suits in Justice League. I think I almost said two Jews in Justice League. That's not good. There's two suits in Justice League. I thought you were going to say Jutes. <laughs> There's two suits in Justice League. One is the one that we've seen before, and then one that he augments because of the nature of the mission, which I can't give away. But it was a chance for them to play with the suit and add elements to it and kind of tech it out, and I thought they did a really good job. It was really fun. Um, he was also asked to confirm that he was doing the Batman movie. He says, that's right, that's what they, that's what they say. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, he says, uh, J.K. Simmons will be in it, just like The Accountant. I want to do all my movies with J.K. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. I can't blame him there. J.K., no. by the way, has been talking He's about great. it. Uh, J.K. Simmons has been talking about 
being uh, being Gordon. He says, I'm stepping into an iconic character that has been portrayed by a number of wonderful actors, and, and that's intimidating enough. The new aspects that are being brought to the Batman universe are really intriguing. I want to know what he's talking about there, but he doesn't go into mm-hmm. it. I'm just doing my best to serve between a combination of my instincts. Obviously, Zach's guidance. I'll have Ben... Uh, Ben's guidance in future films where he'll be on both sides of the camera, which I'm really excited about is, um, and then differentiating Gordon with his past versions. He says, it's a combination of wanting to step into and, and inhabit that character to the best of my ability. And you can't ignore what's gone before, but I'm trying to make it, uh, to bring my take to it. Um, I don't want to make of any of that, but it's the same with, uh, with Ezra Miller. Like I'm just excited. They're as excited about these things. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Uh, so this, I think, broke today, the day of recording, uh, October 3rd. Ben Affleck confirms the title, the working title of the solo movie to be The Batman. So that's, that's there. Mm-hmm. Um, I, that's what I thought we were going to be calling it the whole time. Yeah. Uh, Joe Manganiello Also, that gives us has... nothing, Ben. It gives us nothing. <laughs> I don't know, man. I think it does. Like, I dig that tone. Like, that's like calling it The Batman. Mm-hmm. That, like... Well, it separates it. It's it's an entity, not a person. Sure. It's more like the legacy, the legend. Mm -hmm. But it also pulls back to the Golden Age when they did refer to him as the Batman. If that shit had a dash in it, I don't know. I might just (laughs) have a breakdown. Like, I just might have a meltdown right here. Mm -hmm. If it said the Bat-Man, I might cry. (laughs) Because I got teary-eyed when we went to go see Batman v Superman. Uh Uh-huh. And like that white screen came up and it said the the day the world or the world meets the, the, the Superman. I just, oh my God, what, <laughs> what? It's impossible for me to do that. Like my reaction when I, when I see him cited as the Superman is I immediately think of Nietzsche or Nietzsche or however the hell you want to pronounce his name. And, yeah. And that's exactly what I felt like they were doing too. But I don't, you were sitting right next to me. I don't know if you heard me, but I think I made a sound kind of like this. I, I heard something like that. Sure. So I, I was I'm still down. recovering I, from Bruce being lifted up by bats. And I think it was part of that the bat the Superman thing. And they even refer to Batman as the Batman. Like Perry refers to him as the Batman in Batman v Superman. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It brought me back to that golden age mentality where no, I didn't care that Batman was killing. That's golden age Batman, dude. That's what he's doing. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Um <laughs> Joe Manganiello, uh, playing Deathstroke, he's started to release uh, pictures of things that he's been sent by DC Entertainment for research. His uh, t- The two posts that I've seen, hashtag research and hashtag research two. We've seen uh, Batman Earth One, which is interesting because Deathstroke isn't in that. Mm-hmm. But it was written by Jeff Johns. Um, that's where they really started hitting home on the, like, Alfred was uh, hired by Thomas Wayne as like the head of security and like, he's a badass. <laughs> even though Paul Denny did it first, kind of, um, not even kind of, there was a whole episode devoted to it, but identity crisis. They had that one in there, which is a weird choice, I think, but an interesting choice. And I love identity crisis. It's amazing. There are parts of that, um, of the book that are fantastic. 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, tons of Deathstroke trade paperbacks. A Teen Titans trade paperback. I actually honestly thought there would be more Teen Titans. Uh, it looks like they're really honing in on the uh, re- the Rebirth and New 52 Deathstroke. And Affleck actually talks about that. We'll get to that in a second. But they have action figures, all sorts of shit. I don't envy all the training this dude has to do to play Deathstroke. <laughs> no. Man, I want his merch. I want all the shit that he's... All these things that they're giving him. Yeah. Yeah. That's just your welcome oh. to work. Here's your reading material package. Right. Uh, I and know. for him, by the way, to be sure, he doesn't have to do a lot of extra work to play desk. This guy already looked like that. I mean, he, mm-hmm. he he's done the work. Now he's just doing maintenance. Right. Which, not to, not to disgruntle anyone in the bodybuilding industry, getting there is a little harder than staying there. I'm sure someone's sure. going to say I'm wrong about that. But no, seriously. Probably. Probably. So Ben Affleck explains why death why he chose Deathstroke for the solo movie. Sure. He says he's a great villain. That's really all he needed. That's, I just had that an would, instinctive that feeling. Would, the rest of us would go, uh huh. And sure. Yeah. I just Next had question. an instinctive feeling I just had an instinctive feeling that he would match up with him well. You know, I'm a big admirer of that character as well, especially in the new fifty two, the way they did Deathstroke, and I thought that it could work. Yeah. So yeah. He's not wrong. There you go. No, absolutely not. And in, I, I don't know, like, I'm kind of excited that they're not really going into some of the more mainstream villains yet, if that makes any sense. Like, I didn't want to see Joker this time. I didn't want to see, I didn't want to see Penguin necessarily this time. Uh, or Riddler. Th- Penguin and Riddler are doing so well somewhere else that I, I don't, like, Gotham's got them under control right now, and I'm happy to just leave them over there. Mm-hmm. Um, hell, Joker to some extent is doing so well over there that... If they just bring the kid back, would we all we'd all be really happy? But I had uh, the mixed feelings on that for me were I I'd like to see more of this Joker, but I'm not entirely sure I'd like to see an entire film's worth of this Joker. Mm-hmm. I don't know how I don't know where my like saturation point is with him. So on the one hand, yeah, I I like him going off off uh, off the mainstream, and Deathstroke's a fine one. Like they're 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 kind of a fun match because they're always going to be a street level match. These two are going to mm-hmm. fight it out in an alley. I mean, it, it's mm-hmm. not going to be some, it's not going to be a, a giant psychological nightmare. It's not going to be, I mean, think about a lot of his, his villains and it, it's, it's really just grandiose. No, these two are going to fight, mm-hmm. which I'm looking forward to. But, um, sure. same time, I feel like if we don't get to some of those people, we're going to leave them behind because this thing is about to get into like Justice League one and two and, and go from there. And like, it, we're all pointing toward Green Lantern Corps at the end of this journey right now. Like there's, we have Shazam a yeah. few movies away. Which it's getting into the, the thing, big though. dogs. We're like, if you were going to do Deathstroke, you might as well do him now because I'm not sure if he's going to fit in in the future. Well, no, I disagree. I think the great thing about what they're doing is that they can move on and do a Teen Titans movie, and Deathstroke is the primary villain in Teen Titans most of the time. Yeah, they could go on and move on to that. And meanwhile, if they want to do a prequel movie with Batman, they can de-age him pretty easily. I mean, Ben Affleck doesn't look terribly old now. No, strangely, um, he doesn't. So they could go back and do a prequel movie. I mean, you look at shit, man, even Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. on ABC with their fairly limited budget have done really good work in doing flashbacks and showing me like younger versions of characters in flashbacks. So, you know, they do a couple of movies that are current day. Maybe we flash back and show something that happened in the past. Uh, that, uh, that with Batman movies, that's that's fun. But you know, as far as going forward with Batman movies, I don't really don't need to see a whole whole lot except for what they have in Justice League or a Teen Titans or a Birds of Prey, God willing. <laughs> um, so fingers crossed, fingers crossed. And what's more, I don't need a lot of Joker. I don't need like I've talked about this before, but 
you know, if just show me Joker and flashback, I'll be good. You've probably, from what I hear, you've got enough footage. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) You never have to deal with Leto again. Just go in, show clips, like little flashes, like almost acid flashbacks of, of Leto's Joker. And we'll get the idea like, oh yeah, he killed Robin. Okay, cool. Oh yeah, he's a bastard. He's haunted Batman for years. Mm-hmm. Let's do something new. Let's, do, I, you know, if they want to bring Leto in again, that's fine with me too. I, I don't, like, like you said, I don't know what my saturation point with him is. I think about the ten minute mark, maybe, uh, right around what they did with Suicide Squad. Yeah, that's, that's it. Really, maybe. I, the thing is, like, he was just interesting enough that I'm, I really might be happy with a feature film of this guy, and I also might get to like the halfway mm-hmm. mark in that film and think, all right, all right, he's a little, I don't know. He might be too and, much, you know, but I, I won't know until I get there. I don't think with him I'll know until I've hit that point where I go, yeah, this is this is too much. He, yeah, he might be too much, but then again, I've always really wanted to see uh, the concept of the Joker that has appeared in the books, where it's like you know he's different. He 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 can be different at different times because his 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 brain is so messed up that he just has different personalities at different points in time. Yeah, but he's still the Joker. He's still kind of remembers what's happening he knows batman's his villain yeah like if, if you pick up a comic <laughs> book 10 years after the last time you picked up a comic book and it's 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 the joker in your hands again you it mm-hmm. may it, he comes across differently but you're supposed to theoretically look at that guy and go yeah that's definitely him he walks differently he's dressing different but it's it's him yeah and there was a there was a book it was a trading card set i think it was the batman masterpieces i think i have the book somewhere um around here but they actually go ahead and talk about how like his personality changes and he some of the cards are like different eras in time that joker has imagined it's like what he remembers and it's like he and batman are <laughs> like in king arthur's court fighting and whatnot uh, of course and like some sometimes they're pirates <laughs> uh, of course <laughs> and he's like i think that's the way it happened <laughs> don't quote me <laughs> um, i can deal with that and i also anyway. like the idea of um if if they do it that way, where what you were saying earlier, kind of he's always haunting him. I like the idea of him. If they're going to just do like a flashback version or just refer to him every now and then, I like the idea of the Joker mm-hmm. just being a specter that just will always be there for him, like some motivating factor that he all, all we need as as you know viewers of the DCEU is just mm-hmm. a little glimpse of the that that specter hanging over Bruce's shoulder the entire time. Right. Just every few, every hell, every movie, a couple of seconds of him just laughing at him. Because mm-hmm. that's one of the fun parts about the Joker is he he does always seem to be laughing at him, going think implying you'll never be good enough. Yeah. All right. So jumping back to Deathstroke really quick though, Zack Snyder released a picture. Zack is wearing Batman's gauntlet, mm-hmm. and he's like drawing on his tablet. But if you turn the picture around, you can see what the storyboards are that he's he's messing with. Now, they might just be stick figures, but one of those damn stick figures has a sword over his shoulder and an eye patch. <laughs> Wonder who that might be. Now, the, the other stick figure looks like he's wearing a suit with a tie, and, you know, it might just be a stick figure, but a lot of people are saying there's no hair on it, which is probably Lex Luthor is what they're saying. Um, yeah, you know, and I... Maybe Lex is, is, is out and about. Has he, maybe he's hired Deathstroke. Maybe that'll tie into the next to the Batman solo film. Um, and it, it maybe it's not that at all. It could be as simple as um, I mean, Deathstroke's a mercenary man. Mm-hmm. All of this could be a mislead. It, he could not be the main guy. It could be Jesus. I mean, 
whoever yeah, the big bad we're dealing bad. with in Justice League one and two, he could just be one of a series, of, just one of a the first wave of people that whoever's going to throw at us. Well, Dark I mean, side, you know, Imperix, I, I, whatever. <laughs> I doubt it's going to be Imperix. Imperix hired, hired uh, Deathstroke. No, no, to come on, take man. him out. Yeah, that's. Silly. I'm just going to say it in case I'm right. Okay. I want first dibs. <laughs> Oh, I you're gonna so you're gonna see like, like a, I, a check from a check to to uh, to Deathstroke uh, from Starro. Hmm. That's hmm. wouldn't start. Uh, I'm not even getting into it. I don't think he could write a Moving check. He to... can't articulate, <laughs> but he could have someone write the check for him. I hate you, Jason. <laughs> 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 Moving on to television, uh, Cameron Bikendova. It was interviewed uh, by Kate Rowan over at, the, at Gotham Magazine, and uh, they talked about a few different things. The pertinent thing to, for me was her talking about Selena's darker path. Uh, she says she's going to be going down a darker path for sure. She's going to be going through more of a roller coaster when it comes to life. She's going to be evolving in her relationship with Bruce Wayne. Well, that was interesting. Something to look forward to. Yeah, I still don't know what that Something means. Something I will be. They're, yeah. Strangely, they're getting to the age where that doesn't seem weird. Whereas Poison Ivy. Right. Well, yeah. Cameron is seventeen right now, so yeah. that's about right for for that kind of storyline. Right, look, I guess, a lot of us have know. been sixteen and seventeen and eighteen and nineteen, and around that area, you start kind of you start trying things. You start talking to people. Mm-hmm. I've heard that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was never that age. Yeah, you were you were born about several years. you were born about twenty eight. <laughs> you you didn't so much age as cure. <laughs> like jerky. Yes. <laughs> um, <laughs> the rest of us uh, fought Marina hard Baccarin. for every every step of the way. Right. Uh, Marina Baccarin is in talks. Not in talks. What am I talking about? She's talking about this thing that I'm not excited about at all. She's referring to herself, Mario, uh, or Lee, Mario, Jim, and Valerie Vale on the on Gotham. She calls it a love quadrangle. Well, it's... he's got a love interest as well as Valerie Vale, a news reporter. It becomes really interesting further on in the season when these two women find themselves in the same room together. I, I don't want this. I'm more excited about the word quadrangle because it makes me chuckle than. <laughs> <laughs> more who's he gonna go with soap opera bullshit out of out of gordon yeah i did not watch this show to find out who jim was going to right. pursue romantically in the early stages of his career <laughs> i i want a rooftop giant light some dude visiting him that um he can never hear coming that's why that's why i started watching the show <laughs> right give me to that point guys Look, I mean, even so in like Super Batman Girl. Year One, I didn't care at all about his romantic side story in that. Oh no, I you know I kind of dug that. You know, Commissioner Gordon has a beer, cheats on his wife, that whole thing. Eh, um, not at all my favorite part. I mean, it was it made me think less of him as a person. Beating the crap out of Flash. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was looking for out of this show. Right. I don't know. I you know I I enjoyed that they actually told the story of what happened between Gordon and his wife eh. before Sarah Essen. Eh. Could just tell me irreconcilable differences, and I've been like, "Cool." They couldn't decide which way the toilet paper is supposed to go in the on the holder. Cool. We've all been there. Call a lawyer. <laughs> oh, oh goodness. So over to Supergirl. 
they they released a uh, like a little trailer and a preview of Clark and Kara teaming up in a and in, in stopping this uh, I guess is a spaceship from crashing. Mm-hmm. Uh, looks pretty phenomenal. Yes. Mostly, um, there was some cheese in there that I hope gets sorted thusly. <laughs> um, all right, yeah. There's a couple of man. very super girly lines. I, I don't know it. Well, it was like it was like the the lady on the news says, you know, we can only pray that she sees this. Yeah. And then James Olsen steps forward as if any damn body is watching and goes, "She did." Mm-hmm. And I'm like, "Oh, shut up." Mm-hmm. That's awful. Why would you do that? <laughs> um, but the rest of it was kind of phenomenal. Uh, Clark talking to Perry, you know, bringing up the, the Great Caesar's ghost is is kind of an antiquated saying. Yep. He's like, well, I'm, I'm, yes, sir, I'm aware that we're not talking about you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was great. It was good stuff. I was, was, good I stuff. was pretty excited. Yeah, I, I'm I'm pretty excited to see uh, to see him playing Superman. Like, yeah, I think he's he looks good in the show. Um, he looks like he's doing an okay Clark, like Clark Kent. Um, yeah, I'm not. He wasn't exactly flummoxing and falling over every damn thing like Dick Van Dyke. Yeah, but um, <laughs> you know. <laughs> anyway, uh, the Dominators. It's been released that the Dominators are going to be invading Earth in the big crossover. Um, this is this, these are the creatures from the uh, the Todd McFarlane invasion run. Mm-hmm. They're like all long faced and yellow with big red dots on their heads, mm-hmm. and they have sharp teeth and pointed ears. Mm-hmm. So that's happening. Mark Guggenheim says we're using cutting edge prosthetics and computer effects to achieve a, fe- a feature film quality look, which is faithful to uh, artist Todd McFarlane's interpretation of the characters. Um, I, so yeah, I watched too much. Um, Buffy over the summer, so part of me thought they looked like mm-hmm. the Hush guys. A little bit. But yellow and with giant red dots on their face. <laughs> right. Uh, so Supergirl, uh, if you guys remember last year, they did uh, super. They did like the CW Superhero Fight Club, mm-hmm. where everyone's like downstairs fighting in this cage match thing cage for match fun. Though, yeah. They bring, yeah, they bring Supergirl in. They have like the uh, kryptonite supergirl power dampeners like they do on the show on her show and uh and ollie and barry bring her in and she's all excited now initially they released only about a minute of it because they really wanted you to download the new cw app to watch the other three or four minutes Mm -hmm. they have since released the entire thing but the app is really cool oh it's got serious upsides i'm i'm kind of looking forward to testing this thing out it is a yeah it is a new upgrade for the cw app um, is the new app they've released the, the new app with for the uh, fourth gen Apple TV. You can watch it on that. It's uh, now works on Google's Chromecast and Apple TV uh, and AirPlay. It's uh, yeah, they've actually uh, they've upgraded it. That this this is actually the definition of upgrade. Like the this is <laughs> the um, I'm waiting to see if if I'm understanding this correctly. But the thing that I think I understood about it was that you'd be able to actually watch episodes. Yeah, unlimited and free access yeah. to all the shows on your iPhone, iPad, and all these AirPlay, Chromecast, all that. That, that, that may be a giant advantage. And there are a lot of things you can do with that. Like, it's not like you just have to watch it on your phone. There's, like you said, Chromecast, you, there's Sling, there's other things you can do to get it up on a television if you want to. Mm-hmm. It's not like you're limited you can play with to. Roku. Yeah, Roku if you want to. Um, it's. 
this may be a giant advantage for everyone who you remember how bummed out we were when well, I was at least because um, I I adored Hulu's capacity to show me these freaking shows as I went. Mm-hmm. It was extremely useful. Um, mm-hmm. But they cut out their deal. Hulu's apparently not gonna, not in the game anymore. And then with Netflix, you'd have to watch it like a week later, which is just untenable. That's that's not a world I want to live in. So right. um, yeah, CW app is apparently gonna solve that for me. I feel like I'm pimping uh-huh. the CW app, and I, I won't officially admit to that until I've actually tried it and I can watch episodes. But after that, you may hear me pimping it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now, as for the superhero Fight Club 2.0, what did you think of that? I kind of thought it was awesome, but dumb. I, that's actually <laughs> no. I mean, you're disagreeing on a few points of it, but I would yeah. still say awesome, but dumb. Like ultimately yeah, it, weird. Pretty weird. But uh, I enjoyed weird it. choice. Weird choice for the soundtrack. Oh, to the jungle. oh god, I could have done without that. The only thing about that that was redeemable, because I have said before, I'm just, I'm just not a Guns N' Roses fan. I'm sorry. But, yeah, me um, either. I just uh, I like even it. their popular tracks. I just don't care for it. But um, a little bit worth it for for Cisco's nah, 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 at the end. Yeah, at least that was nah. funny. But Cisco can make about anything redeemable. Yeah, I saw that and it just kind of like shuddered and went, "Oh, that's embarrassing." It is, but I laughed at him. <laughs> <laughs> which was the point so um now the part that i'm pretty sure we weren't supposed to laugh at is is when they all joined hand and got electrocuted and that's how they defeated the thing in the danger i don't know i i hope we were supposed that's to essentially laugh at what that. the shit I kinda, is i kind of shrugged oh that was a, that was essentially what this was is the danger room from x-men but i don't know some of this looked really really bad i don't know it's um, I, I i know I, I said this uh talking to you but um given Given the theme of the last couple episodes, the the finales of the previous uh-huh. seasons, it was it looked like they were circling and holding hands, and they were going to hope them to death. <laughs> yep. Um, yeah. Wasn't it, the greatest thing ever. It wasn't the great as far as an action sequence goes. There there was a lot to to be desired. Because my first uh, thought when the quote orb of death, and I'll say quote because uh, Cisco obviously has not authorized that. Um, when when it starts shooting lasers, I kind of thought, are these are they supposed to punch the lasers? I'm confused. Right. Several of these people do not have laser punching abilities. Mm-hmm. Supergirl, sure, she can punch a laser. Barry, probably, probably. I wasn't I wasn't certain as to how a lot of these people survived all of that lightning while they were holding hands. <laughs> seemed like seemed like several of them should have gone down. I don't know. Minimally, minimally, several of them grenaded on themselves. Right. Of course they did. That's what happens when you get tased, people. That's what happens when you get tased. <laughs> now, that being said, having bitched about it and all, um, all, <laughs> all worth it for like the first couple minutes with Supergirl where it, it, Oliver and Barry bring her in and, she, is this the Supergirl? Like, she's so excited. Mm-hmm. Arrow's trying to be all serious about it and Barry's just almost scoffing at him a little bit. No, mm-hmm. man. No, dude. I don't know. I, I love the tone of it. Like I really enjoyed that. While the effects of John turning into Martian Manhunter were really, really bad, the they have definitely been done better. The reaction that Diggle had was kind of fun, but also kind of annoying because I'm like, okay, yeah, I get it. The first time he saw Barry, he threw his fries. Now he's now he's dropping dropped his a hamburger. Yeah. The, by the way, how does Diggle eat all this shit and stay in shape? I don't, I don't know. know. That dude made me want a burger. I, I mean, he was so really hungry. enjoying that burger. I'm really hungry right now. <laughs> These things happen. I really want dinner. I really want dinner, man. Yeah, they they um, uh-huh. and they 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 make Big Billy Burger look fantastic. But they do. I did though. I I laughed at that as an inside joke. Like, okay, all right, that's cute. 
Is the fries first, the burger next. Next time he, like when he sees, I don't want to say that, that can't be real. And none of this can possibly be happening in any kind of real-time pocket. It's not like this is an episode that happens, you know, before you see the season. Right. Yeah, Fight Club can't be real. No, you can't. can't. I mean, Grodd alone just can't. But you wouldn't know where to upgrade it if, if it was going to be he sees Supergirl next. He said he's going to pee. <laughs> David Ramsey says that his character pees a little. He's going to pee just a, just a little bit. I'd like to know how they're going to portray that on television. I, I don't know either. I, I Maybe it's going to be a line like Oliver almost jokingly says, what, did you pee yourself? And, and he just doesn't say anything, really. Yeah. Maybe uh, it's that simple. I don't think they're actually going to show a crotch shot of, of <laughs> Ramsey pissing himself. That seems <laughs> unlikely. Yeah, I don't know. So but, Yeah, I liked a lot of the dialogue, and I liked... Um, uh, is, is, watching all the characters together was a lot of fun. Like, seeing Supergirl, Arrow, and Flash on screen actually talking together, not some, like, digital one-shot Photoshop thing, mm-hmm. was... I, I got a little giddy. I got a little excited about the next season, because I know it's only, like, a couple months where I get to see them hang out together for real. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, CW released an extended sizzle reel for all their shows with a lot of dare to defy shit being yelled at us in the thing. Mm -hmm. Um, lots of shots of, uh, their superheroes and people from supernatural and different shows walking Mm -hmm. around dramatically in really cheesy sets. Sure. Like obviously just shit that was like constructed for like a photo shoot. Uh, it looks pretty awful. Less said about it, the better moving on to the flash. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> they clearly pulled some footage that they had. A little bit, but and, not much. And man. put a lot of money into it. I mean, it was like, it was... Uh, most, most of it was like Flash or like, you know, Sam and Dean standing against a, uh, like a background like of like a prop lasers. Table. Like there's like a background of lasers and then they're like meat hooks hanging in front of them and they're just yeah. like posing. Now, <sighs> I think there's, I think at some point it's, it's, uh, it's Wally running in the Flash suit, but at regular speed. <laughs> <laughs> I did see that, yeah. <laughs> it was nice to see him running all in the suit, but clearly didn't spend money on anything else. <laughs> and I got to the end of that and thought, wait, did I zombie show up? Did I miss her? I, I don't know. Where are you, Liv? Over the Flash, uh, Run Devil Run extended trailer. Uh, a lot of fun stuff in that. Don't call me Kid Flash. Um, Barry unraveling in flashpoint not remembering what what has happened him losing his powers uh, barry and iris don't know each other uh you know uh problems fighting the rival mm-hmm. oh kind of fun oh yeah um now ed gross over at empire online had some questions with tom felton i believe his is he had nine questions with tom felton some of them i didn't deem pertinent but we're going to talk about the ones i did okay uh what can you say about your character Tom Felton says, not a lot. He's a CSI investigator, a forensic expert with similar skills to Barry, which gives them a different relationship to, I think, anyone else that he works with because they're sort of tre- treading on each other's toes in their field of expertise. Um, Ed says, does that make the relationship contentious or does that make them adversaries? Uh, Tom says, because of this new world where Barry's not familiar with all of these relationships, due to the change in the timeline, everyone knows me. I'm part of the world, so he's not quite sure why they aren't as friendly as maybe they should be. They have a slightly clashing heads approach to work, mostly because my character seems to be keen to reveal the information before Barry does. I think for Barry, it's like he's seeing someone who's as sharp, if not sharper, sharper than him in his field. Certainly not quicker. Mm-hmm. Um, Ed says, how are you finding the CSI vocabulary? Tom says, it's not even CSI, it's forensic. 
talking about the stratum corneum. Yeah, I was referring to my Latin book often to make sure I pronounce things correct. <laughs> Again, it's very easily done when I have Grant there because I feel like he's a walking labyrinth of how to pronounce ridiculous medical terms. <laughs> Ed says, was there particular research you've done to get a better understanding of your character in this universe? Tom says, no, I'm not one generally to do that stuff anyway, and they didn't even ask me whether I'd seen the show. They didn't tell me anything about what I was going to play. They just inferred that there was going to be a lot of meat to sink my teeth into. I was in three of the Harry Potter films without reading one of those books, quite thankfully. <laughs> this was different. Actually, it was kind of surreal because I, wa I started watching one episode just for fun, shits and giggles. One led to 35, and there I was a week later glued to it all, a huge fan of the show. To then be on set the next day, over a metahuman carcass, talking about stratum corneum with Barry Allen, I, I was like fangirling out a bit. <laughs> I, had to, I had to calm myself down a few times, but it makes it fun coming in as a fan. There's a real feel-good warmth to the show. It feels like you're watching, for lack of a better analogy, Friends mixed with Spider-Man or Batman. <laughs> That's... That's not entirely crazy. Yeah. Ed says, was it tough getting up to speed? Were there, lots of, there were, were there a lot of plot lines going around on that show? He says, now that you've said it, it probably was. I took the original stuff that I read as standalone. I didn't have anything to refer to, so to me it was all new. It's delightfully simple, the show, but it has many moving parts. It certainly makes you pay attention. So I thought that was those were some pretty little, pretty neat little insights into, uh, into his character. I'm pretty psyched to be seeing what he's doing on the show. Yeah. I'm just so happy for The Flash being back. Like, it is my favorite show. <laughs> it's, yeah. It, that isn't Rick and Morty. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay, to be fair, that isn't Rick and Morty or Ash vs. Evil Dead, which is also coming back really soon. I'm just, I'm... Even still, I'll get around um, to Ash. I'll even get around oh, to, to Morty if it, it, I'm watching The Flash. Yeah, I, you know, I mean, well, for the show, yeah, we, we have to watch The Flash. I If I... Man, I love all three of them so much. Anyway, mm -hmm. Tom Cavanaugh was uh, asked about any Flashpoint changes to Wells. He says, considering Barry changed the timeline, you would think that, uh, sorry, th th this is Natalie Abrams, not him, from TV Line. She says, considering Barry changed the timeline, you would think that Tom Cavanaugh might be playing the original Harrison Wells, who may be in this timeline, was not killed by Reverse Flash, but it appears that's not the case. And then Tom Cavanaugh says, I played the original Wells on the beach with Tess. This guy won't be that guy. If the show has strengths, I would argue that we're not repeating ourselves generally. And specifically, I'm trying not to repeat myself. Mm -hmm. okay. So over to John Wesley Shipp on playing Jay Garrick and where he got his inspiration playing him differently than Henry. He says, I figure Jay is my version of Barry 25 years later. His Barry. He I says, so like I went back and... A lot. He says, I went, I went back and I watched a couple of episodes of the 9091 version to kind of remind myself what I did. Jay is much more reminiscent of, of my Barry Allen from 25 years ago than my Henry Allen. I went back and I was amazed how much attitude my Barry Allen had in some situations. I went back and I picked up that thread and I brought it forward 25 years and tried to weave it in. I think that's fun for the audience, too, that they will see elements of my Barry Allen and my Jay Garrick. Grant Gustin's Barry Allen is the speedster of the show, so everything is discussed in terms of how it affects Grant's Barry. When the Iron Mask comes off and he sees essentially his dad, that's kind of like a one-two punch because it's his dad, but it's not. If the Iron Mask comes off and it was Henry by another name, that what would be the interest in that? In conjunction 
with uh, Andrew Kreisberg and Greg Berlani, we wanted to make Jay very different from Henry. When Grant and I were running lines and I was being Jay, he just put his head down and started laughing. I said, what's up? And he said, it's just so cool watching you play this. <laughs> that is fun. And he's right. Like it, it, Having gone through the, the show, uh, for better or worse, we, we did watch that damn show. And um, Oh, yeah. If we can get some of the pickup on that, and actually, like as we've discussed many times, we'd like to see that uh, some sort of, I don't know, authorized lead-in from the previous Flash. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. to some extent, if all we got is uh, the attitude, just the, the way he played him still being represented, that would be nice. Mm-hmm. Oh, I mean, look, man. All things considered, we've gotten what we wanted. We saw Barry running through a tunnel, and we saw our we saw, we saw 90s the, Flash. the 90s Flash. Yeah. Now, maybe they play with that later. I would be happy if they play with that later. In a way, though, actually, I just thought about this. Uh, If Flashpoint could have changed the name of of that guy to Jay Garrick instead of Henry Allen. Uh, I don't think it would have messed with Earth 3. Yeah, they did say it wouldn't mess with other Earths. And we're we're guessing Earth 3. We're just Mm -hmm. enumerating it on Earth. No, we're not. Is it Earth 3? Jay said, "Jay said I'm from what you would call Earth Three at the end of oh he did Flash season two. you're right you're right yeah so. and he obviously hasn't messed with whatever the hell Earth Supergirl comes from mm. so uh, again Ed Gross at Empire Online had an interview with Aaron executive producer Aaron Helbing um, it was a, kind of a longish interview I didn't go into all of it because a lot of it was just stuff we know about like how it's awesome working on the show and showing different facets of the characters and be able to do something like flashpoint that changes the characters. Like it's a little soft reboot for a few minutes and we can see other, you know, versions of them. Mm -hmm. Understandable. All really cool. All awesome that you can go back to the first episode and they're kind of different people. Here are some of the interesting stuff that I, that I, that we didn't know is basically what I'm going. Ed says flashpoint doesn't last the entire season. Does it? Aaron says no, but the, impact and the various decisions are going to reverberate throughout the entire season it's the reason that villains like dr alchemy and savitar are part of the show we liken it to when you have a perfect pristine vase that you break even if you put it back together there's always going to be those little cracks it's never ever going to be exactly how it was for example when, for example when you meet the rival in episode one he'll have an intact he'll have an impact in episode two this guy edward clarice remembers everything that happens in Flashpoint. All of the pieces that we set up in Flashpoint are going to play out throughout the entire season. It's going to be something that Barry and his team are going to be grappling with and struggling against and trying to overcome. Ed asks, does it ever reach a point where people want to say to Barry, you know, dude, every time we tell you not to do something and you do it anyway, it goes horribly awry. That really seems to be an ongoing problem. Aaron says, we approach these characters as living, breathing people who have emotions and their own opinions who and who makes mistakes. Yes, eventually there will be a point where people will say, Barry, this affected me and we need to talk about this. He isn't given a get out of jail free card. Ed says, how much of a concern is there over the other superhero shows being affected by Flashpoint? Obviously, there is a producer overlap to oversee these things, but the assumption is that there will ha- there will be an impact on Arrow, Supergirl, and Legends of Tomorrow. Uh, Aaron says, yes, definitely. Arrow for sure is impacted. Diggle is significantly impacted in his life personally. The beauty is, since Greg and Andrew are producers on all four shows and we deal with executive producers Guggenheim and Klemmer and Miracle, we sit down and we talk about it 
and are pretty much on the same page. I think something special that you don't get to experience on a lot of other shows is how interconnected they all are. To me, as a fan of all of them, that gets me really excited. It kind of holds true to, in the comic book universe, when you're going to do something like Blackest Night that affects all of these characters and all these different storylines who are in their own stories, but they begin to overlap. It's the same thing with these shows. Now, I think that's really interesting, but... It kind of bothers me that they're going to be messing with Arrow so much with Flashpoint. Not at all. Because Not at all for me. It's it's the mother show. Yeah, I you know, it's just, I feel like if I was a person who was sitting and watching Arrow and not watching the other shows, which, God forbid, why would I? But still. There are people. I don't want there, some... There, there are people that just refuse. Uh, I know. Actually, honestly, my wife me. is one that just can't stand Arrow, but she's, like, really excited to see the new Flash. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, just the fact that some event on another show is going to impact the show that's, you know, I, I don't know. Maybe I'm crazy. No, I, you're you're right. It's going to be weird, but I'm kind of excited to see how they deal with it. Well, I've, because... got, I've got some information on that, and I'm mm. not happy. Oh. Over to it. Arrow. Uh, Stephen Amell posted a picture of himself and Deathstroke sitting on a park bench. Yeah, I saw that. <laughs> uh, purportedly for the 100th episode. Um, now Susanna Thompson, who played, uh, Moira, she's coming back for the hundredth episode. Yeah. Why the hell not? And you know, last week, Mark Guggenheim put out that picture of the, the table read. He says, it's not flashpoint. It's not a flashback. So we don't know what's going mm-hmm. on there. Um, and it should be noted that the hundredth episode of arrow happens right damn slap in the middle of the crossover event with the other shows. Mm-hmm. So Keep that in mind. Mm-hmm. Did you see the Arrow Season 5 Meet the Team trailer? I did. What? I mean, I I think it looks pretty fun. I think so far the season looks... A, better. A, a better, yeah. It, it looks like it's going to be a lot more fun than previous seasons. And I, I always hesitate saying that because mm-hmm. it's Arrow, and they do this kind of shit to you in the off-season where they're like, oh, look how much fun we're going to have. <laughs> and then by, like, episode three, you think, oh, my God, that was so emotionally draining. Uh-huh. Um, but... This time, it's not so much a... Uh, let me put it this way. Uh, going into last season, we, we were worried about, like, well, they've got the Elicity thing, but what if they ripped the rug out from under us? And sure enough, they they were going to rip the rug out from under us. And we all knew that by the end of, like, episode one. Yeah. So, like, that focus on the ring was just, oh, come on, guys. Mm-hmm. You're not even going to let me pretend this is going to be okay. Yeah. Um, now, this one, though, is just... It's not... It's It's... It's not wrapped up in just two characters that you know may or may not be able to make it. This is a whole team. It's going to have its ups and downs, but maybe as as a whole, we can have a, a season of Arrow that's kind of fun. Mm-hmm. Also, and I've up. said it before, it's going to get down to more street-level violence, which works mm-hmm. out really well. I mean, do you remember the parkour happening in like season one of Arrow? I do. Parkour and Nexus snapping, man. Nexus snapping. <laughs> it's a ton of fun. <clears throat> yeah. So uh, Stephen Amell shared a picture of Supergirl and Green Arrow on a rooftop in Star City. Mm-hmm. That was fun. Mm-hmm. Dug that. Um, here's a thing that I didn't care for. Wendy Miracle is just bringing the spoiler, but she re- officially re- released it. She talked about it. Mm-hmm. So uh, this and is from an interview promise. with TV Guide. Yeah. TVGuide.com. Wendy Miracle uh, is talking about the effects of Flashpoint. And how it's going to lead to the return of Katie Cassidy as Laurel Lance. Okay, I'm 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 going to go ahead and admit I'm happy to have that spoiled. Yeah, Kinda she am. says I could I could tell you that we're really excited about having her back. You will see in the episodes where she appears, episode five ten definitely, our mid season premiere. 
Keep your eyes out for that. We're so excited about getting to work with her again and her willingness to come back. Getting to work with her again, it's like she was just gone for a couple episodes, guys. Yeah. (laughs) She says, it's one of the fun parts of the show. People can leave and get killed, and you can still find new and crazy ways for them to come back. I can definitely tell you that there's a way we're going to bring her back, and she's going to be alive and well. And Flashpoint might have a little bit to do with that. And I'm thinking, but remember all the promises about how death was going to matter? Mm-hmm. That's what you should be thinking. And how you made sure that you destroyed all the Lazarus pits so that you couldn't bring anybody back. And death was going to matter. And death was going to matter. And death was going to matter. Death was going to matter. And, yeah. Oh, no. All the fans are pissed because Laurel's gone. Oh, better use Flashpoint to bring her back. Okay, there's that. But then if you look at it as an in-universe thing... Death is gonna matter. Death is gonna matter. All these things and Lazarus pits and mm-hmm. and and uh, we just destroyed the last Lazarus pit and and all that. And then oh my God, Barry changed time. Mm-hmm. In all fairness, Barry just plain changed time. Sure. And they didn't actually resort to that as an excuse before, which they wouldn't have been uh, like right. allowed to do because that was supposed to be a huge thing. And it was. It was a huge thing. Like it, when that happened in the show, watching it mm-hmm. live, I thought, oh fuck, are you kidding me? Mm-hmm. Like as it's happening so, the whole time, I'm thinking, are, are they really doing this? They're really doing this. They're really doing this. Here's what I'm guessing is going to happen. Uh huh. Um, since she has a contract to appear on multiple TV shows, what we're probably going to deal with is she's she's going to be doing double duty. I bet she'll be play she'll play Black Siren on the Flash. She'll come back as Laurel because of Flashpoint, but then realize she's not supposed to be alive and, and join Legends. Being, uh, yep. Exactly. Yeah, Joining legends. You know what? If she brings back the chops she used in the last couple episodes uh, of, of Arrow that she was on, mm-hmm. bring it on. She did a yeah. great job. She did. It, it, she did. It just they, we've gone over it before. They gave her very little to do, and uh, she just didn't have a lot of agency as a character, and it, it got tiresome. But mm-hmm. if she's got a real agenda, fuck, let's do this. If you're just bringing her back for the hell of it, yeah. eh, come on, man. Do something. Right. So Guggenheim has tweeted out uh, a couple of police sketches, one by Neil Adams, which is, as he put it, new arrow costume, new police sketch. So (laughs) that one was by Neil Adams. They put out a, he put out a police sketch of Vigilante. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Put out a sketch of Vigilante by George Perez, which is fitting as hell. (laughs) Did you see the new, the promo with with Diggle's new helmet? I saw the stills. I didn't see the promo. Okay, it's not that important to see the promo. We're going to be seeing it like day after tomorrow anyway. Yeah. But <laughs> Diggle's yeah, helmet looks like sweet. 30-something hours between now and when I see that. Yeah, there's yeah, like a ton of looks, promos and stuff. It's sleek I and fun. Mm-hmm. I dig and it. Dig it. I assume it was Cisco that made this for him still because that's what the show told me was going to happen. Yeah. So God only knows what kind of tricks he, he put in that thing. Yeah. So uh, Stephen Amell posted this on, on Twitter. This is all he wrote, by the way. Monday, Arrow 508 slash Flash 308. Tuesday, Arrow 508 slash Flash 308. Wednesday, Legends 207 Flash 308. Thursday, Legends 207. Friday, Arrow 509. I'm assuming that's the crossover schedule for that week. For him, at least, yeah. Does that mean, well... Obviously. No, it looks they, like, they to don't... me, that looks like that's how they're going to be airing it. I, I can't tell, I... That might have just been, like, which episodes he was appearing in. It doesn't mean he's not going to, like, show up in his own series for a second. Or not show up in his own series for a second. Well, like, Flash, like, Monday, it looks like the way he put it, Flash 
sorry, Monday and Tuesday, it was going to be Arrow 508 and then followed by Flash 308. Mm -hmm. Then Wednesday, it was going to be Legends 207 and then Flash 308. And then Thursday, Legends 207 followed by Arrow 509. Like, maybe they decided that certain things had to be viewed in a certain order. I don't know. I don't know. That's that, so weird. That, to me, that sounds That's like weird. more his uh, schedule, personally. Maybe. Yeah, maybe that's what he's doing this week. Like he's in Vancouver, and they're working. just, like, sending him that's to different a good point. sets. Saying, like, that's all right, all right, point, you need to be here about, like, 3 p.m. because you're on Legends over there right now. You what know what? I, I bet you're... Yeah, you're right. I'm an idiot. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's, that's awesome. Yeah. Thank you, man. This is why you're part of the show. Hey! Glad to help. <laughs> <laughs> I don't hate you anymore. <laughs> Yay, I'm negative one on that margin. That's only Hooray! That's only one now. It's only one I hate you. I think I had two before. Nah, man, that was worth two. That, that two? was worth two, man. Back to zero. You are completely yeah. neutral to me. <laughs> that's you our standard working relationship. I love you, buddy. Love uh, you too, <laughs> so the role for Cody Rhodes has been revealed on Arrow. You sound disappointed. <coughs> You're even clearing your throat. Well, yeah, I'm clearing my throat because it started to get weird. But um, mm. WWE star Cody Rhodes is going to be on Arrow. We knew that. They're saying, yeah, we, we knew that. Uh, it says, now that Oliver has his new team, they are ready to hit the streets, but Oliver doesn't feel they are ready. Headstrong Wild Dog defies the Green Arrow's orders. Of course he does. See, I love that. The Green Arrow. That's badass, <laughs> yo. <laughs> Defies the Green Arrow's orders and sets out on his own after a new drug dealer, Garrett Runnels, guest star Cody Rhodes. And by the way, I think Garrett Runnels is apparently his real name, uh, who Maybe is terrorizing not. Star City. Runnels proves more powerful than Wild Dog, and it is up to the Green Arrow. See? Badass. To go head-to-head head with Runnels to save his team. I am! And you know, this is the this is Green Arrow's 75th anniversary anyway. So going back to like that Golden shit, the Green Arrow. The Green Arrow. Yeah. Yes. It's weird like to get to this point in my life. I'm 33 years old and suddenly I'm realizing I think the Golden Age was my favorite era. <laughs> <laughs> Just to give it a weight. Just weight to it. I know. The stuff I've gotten to read out of Rebirth looks like it's going to be pretty fun thus far. Mm -hmm. So Echo Kellum is talking about how they got all Arrow business done in the crossover. Um, like I said... Everyone kind of did the math on it and realized that the 100th episode of Arrow was going to be right in the middle of the big crossover uh, between the shows. Yeah. Blood pressures gonna, across the production <laughs> cast went up. And across the fandom. Um, Echo Kellum, Mr. Terrific, says, I definitely think we are handling our Arrow business and still doing this crossover. I think that's a good thing, especially for this magnitude of an episode. I know that the last few crossovers were helping set up other shows, but there's no element of that here. Every show here is an already established show. If you're, if you're doing a crossover to help set up Legends of Tomorrow, then logically, you're going to have to spend some time dealing with the, <clears throat> these new characters who are coming in. Yeah, because if you power. don't, then you're doing a disservice to the new show. Sure. Um, he did say, though, that even though they don't spend a lot of time setting up characters on this year's crossover, um, he considers that kind of writing to be an investment in the future of the show in its shared universe. Um, but he says, I literally, when I read those scripts, my mind was like, holy hell, how are we going to do all of this? Are we going to, are we going to do all of this? Is this real? <laughs> and we're doing it and it's coming out great. 
James Banford is back, and he's killing it as always, and I just cannot wait for fans to see this crossover. That's fantastic. It, uh, the, the big recap as far as how they've approached the last uh, three crossover seasons is uh, the first time you, you could watch each show separately, and it was supposed to still mm-hmm. make sense. But if you happen to be watching both shows, good for you, and it all makes more sense. And it's mm-hmm. all more rewarding. Well, great. And then next time became, no, seriously, you've got to watch everything. And that was partly because they were they were using it as a backdoor pilot for Legends of Tomorrow. So right. we're going to launch this entirely new show on Thursday night. And if you're the kind of person who's already watching Tuesday or Wednesday night for us, you damn well need to be part of the demographic of Thursday. Mm-hmm. I, it, there was there was some there were some moves being being played here, but yeah, this time apparently, and he's right, is uh, it, it has nothing to do with that. I think first of all, you've got a new show coming in, Supergirl, but it's an established new uh-huh. show. So what the fuck? I mean, we, they they've been pimping this thing all summer, and second, mm-hmm. um, they don't need to introduce who she is or what she is. You've already got like two seasons you can catch up on. Yeah, so. Over to Legends of Tomorrow. They've released the first JSA photo of the team together. Uh, it it looks pretty awesome. I, I, I there's a Star Girl and a Doctor Midnight and, and an Hour Man and a Vixen and I just want it now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, there's a little synopsis here. It says the Legends travel to Nazi-occupied Paris, but find themselves surrounded by the Justice Society of America. The legends discover a time aberration that threatens the JSA, but the JSA wants nothing to do with them or their help. Nevertheless, the legends force their way into the JSA's mission to intercept and seize a mysterious package. Nate is desperate to prove that he should be a part of the team, but he has a secret that he shares with his grandfather, Commander Steele, that might make it difficult. Ray is so focused on impressing the JSA, he puts himself and Vixen in danger. Meanwhile, Stein has stepped in as the leader with Rip gone, but when decisions aren't being made, Sarah seems to be the one calling the shots. So, yeah, there's that going on. Lance Hendrickson has confirmed that he is going to be Green Lantern's son in in uh, Legends of Tomorrow. And he'll be gay. He says they they have... It's all in there, every bit of it. Being Green Lantern's son and all that stuff, and him being gay, it's all in there. It's treated, honestly, kind of ungently. It's a real thing. <laughs> Even one of my lines says, if you're lucky enough to find love again after having... After anything has ever happened to you, well, embrace it. Obsidian says, son, he's waiting for me at home. Um... So he, there's also uh, he also said that 44 year old actor Dan Payne is going to be playing the younger version of Obsidian, and he's going to be playing the 77 year old Obsidian. So some of those those will be fun questions answered. Those will be fun. Uh, Krypton has cast Cameron Cuff as Sedgel, which is going to be the uh, grandfather of uh, of Superman. So yeah, still looks like that's happening. Yep. <laughs> Um, I, like I'll believe it Anna. when I see a premiere date, and I'm 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 planning for it. But till then, just okay. Yeah. So uh, over to animated. Uh, they've released the first group photo of Justice League Dark with Constantine, Deadman, Zatanna, and Batman. Because of course they have to have Batman in there, even Why though not? he's not really a part. Yeah, of Yeah, he's group. not at all. At all. Um, there is going to be a Batman Return of the Cape Crusader, uh, Cape Crusaders limited edition Blu-ray that's going to have some cool art with it. Mm-hmm. Um, some like cards and whatnot. Um, including the special features, those dastardly desperados featurette, uh, and a classic cadre of voices. 
they have released who some of the other people are on this movie, um, aside from Adam West, Burt Ward, and Julie Newmar. Mm-hmm. Stephen Weber and Thomas Lennon are going to be really? in the movie as Alfred Pennyworth and Chief O'Hara. So Thomas Lennon is going to be Chief o- O'Hara. <laughs> That's <laughs> Which is just weird. perfect. Yeah. No, uh, no. Jeff, He can do exactly that tone. Perfect. Yeah. Jeff Bergman is going to be the Joker, and uh, announcer William Salyers is the Penguin, Wally Wingert as the Riddler, Lynn Marie Stewart as Aunt Harriet, Jim Ward as Commissioner Gordon, and Serena Irwin as TV show host Miranda Moore. Um, over on and The Nerdist... Are we going to do a review of that? I know we're going to see it next week. We are. We're going to do a review of yeah. that. Um, Mike Mignola apparently did an animated they were there was going to be an animated new gods and it fell through but he did a bunch of designs this is the creator of hellboy he's uh done a bunch of stuff on dc world of krypton uh gotham by gaslight but um he was yeah there are designs up um i'll put up a a link it's the nerdist ran with it it first showed up on uh artist shane white's tumblr account um big news this week which wasn't news but has been around all over the place greg rucka confirmed that wonder woman is bisexual um this is something that grant and he even name drops morrison as having done it in wonder woman earth one uh rucka says it's supposed to be paradise you're supposed to be able to live happily you're supposed to be able in a context where one can live happily uh and part of what an individual needs for that happiness is to have a partner to have a fulfilling romantic and sexual relationship and the only options are women but an Amazon doesn't look at another Amazon and say, you're gay. They don't. The concept doesn't exist. Now are we saying Diana has been in love and had relationships with other women? As Nicola and I approach it, the answer is obviously yes. So this isn't, you know, even if you look back at the old, uh, at the creator, you know, he he was a feminist. He was into all that stuff. He would have, yeah, I, I mean, he, he was, couldn't actually say it back then. No, he, he but, said it, actually. But he... Well, he did not in the not in the books. No, not in the books. But uh, as as a person, he was he was wholeheartedly feminist. Mm-hmm. His wife mm-hmm. went on after him to to go ahead and uh, confirm it. Yeah, I mean they were. I mean they they themselves were kind of swingers. They were and very were very very around open. with things. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I mean it makes perfect sense for for Wonder Woman to be. I guess you would say bisexual. Um, makes sense to me. Right, fine enough term. That's I, the end of. There's that like. Come on, man. I mean, it's Greg Rucka. Mm-hmm. Like, and before him, Grant Morrison. Yeah. <laughs> if I throw those two names at you and, and, and say, prove Wonder Woman should have done something differently, I, I, come on. Who, who the hell do you think you are? Yeah. All right. So um, that's it for the news. We are doing a giveaway for trade paperbacks, DVD, or Blu-ray, $15 or under. One in 10 people who write a five-star written review on iTunes gets one of these things. We got... We got four more reviews this week, so oh. we're going to blow through those real quick. Knock them out. Um, and thank you in advance. Yes, thank you. Uh, the Magic 24 Iffy says, love it, great reviews, strong, well-thought-out opinions. What's not to like? Us. Merlin, or sorry, Mick Merlin, <laughs> yeah, us. Mick Merlin <laughs> says, this is, my, this is one of my favorite things anyone's ever said about us. Irreverent as hell. <laughs> This podcast with Dave and Jason is a wonderful little listen, like hanging out at your local comic shop and listening to the patrons gab on. Between rapid-fire news episodes and hilarious DC TV episode recaps and reviews, I find myself looking forward to every Monday and Tuesday to get my fill of these guys. While we might not always agree, a good time is always had by all. Keep up the fun work, guys. We'll try. Uh, Yeah, thank you. Now, now I, I like to think this next review... 
the, the name doesn't say nut job. It's NTJ08, and it totally looks like nut job. I it's think that's on job. purpose. It's nut job. They say, awesome. These guys are very entertaining and knowledgeable about all things DC. They are one of the highlights of my work week. Keep up the good work. That's very nice. But then they go on to say this. Oh, and keep Charles off of the show. Oh, yeah. LOL. You inform me about this. Well, you know, first of all, thanks for the kind words. We do appreciate it. Mm -hmm. But um, we don't know exactly who Nutjob could be referring to, except for maybe giant size team up network epic boss Charles McFall. So here to defend himself for the first time ever on DC on screen, Charles McFall. Hey, this is Charles, and I don't I, I don't know why your review is saying that I need to be kept off of this show. It's not like I've ever made an appearance on this show. You know, I'm currently actually making like my tenth appearance on MCU Cast. Right now we're doing the Luke Cage special. Go check that out at MCUcast.com. But you know, I've never actually been on DC on screen, so what the hell, man? Why am I getting picked up? Why do I get told I can't be on your show? Jason, Jason, David, you guys aren't going to stand for this, right? You're not going to stand for that at all, right? Right? We won't stand for it, Charles. In fact, Jason and I are both sitting Adamantly. right now as we speak. <laughs> Dutifully sitting. Dutifully sitting. Also, uh, I, I, we, we have, uh, there's so many flavors of hate on our show. There's so many different flavors and kinds and... And, and strengths and weaknesses of our hates like it, it this is this is a a field uh, like a harvest of of hate that we do uh, anywhere between eh and um even if you haven't well, we appeared on the too. show yeah we love a ton of things <laughs> but i cannot discriminate against any single kind of hate even if it's against you who has never actually technically been here so right. charles i love you but um i have I to you, stand charles. behind the hate as well so i'm just going to stand behind both of you once I stand. As, Once I bother as standing. As you fight it out. Yeah. Uh, Jason and I will be firmly planted in our seats watching you two duke it out. Okay, I'm going to sit behind both of you. And the whole world will have front row seats. Yeah. So, uh, lastly, deep and nerdy. Um, <laughs> he um, gave us a review. I do love these names. I just do. I know. Now, I'll go ahead. Well, I'll, I'll go ahead with the review. He says, what can I say about DC on screen? Well, these guys are jackasses that can't pronounce names. Damn straight. Which is something we said last week. It was a nice callback. Nice callback, dude. Just joking, but seriously, Dave and Jason. No, he's not joking. That's true. Dave and Jason. We are actually Dave and Jason, so that part's true. We have. uh, That part is true. Dave and Jason have been a part of my daily routine for a good long while now. I'd say about a year. I look forward to the show every week. Also, their fan interaction is almost unparalleled compared to a lot of other podcasts I listen to. And I deliver pizzas for a living, so podcasts are a staple in my daily routine. Dave and I have personally spoken on several occasions about things, and it's always a great conversation. As part of all of my reviews, I always like to give proper thanks for providing all sorts of inspiration to me and my buddy. It's podcasts like this one that gave me the proper amount of courage in being nerdy, and I started a podcast on my own. Oh, good, now, in the spirit, good work. Yep. Now, in the spirit of this being a review, I will not mention my podcast here because, well, that's cocky. I, You know, Nerd Talkalypse. Nerd Talkalypse? That's their podcast. Yep. Nerd Talkalypse or Nerd Talkalypse? podcast. I think it's Nerd Talkalypse. Nerd Talkalypse. All right, well, I believe. we'll get the information straight and, and come back with it. I'll put a link in the show notes. There you go. Um... <laughs> But Dave, the poster I won at the carnival a few months ago deserves to be talked about, damn it. (laughs) 
In all seriousness, bravo DC on screen. You guys are awesome, and I will listen to you until DC decides to stop hitting screens. And even then, I'll come back to my podcatcher like a cemetery and remember all of the times you two made me smile while smelling pizza and wondering what it's like on the other side of the airwaves. That got really deep and sad. It did. And really freaking, like, the language of it is just fantastic. Right. Uh, yeah, I enjoy it. Like a cemetery. Oh, the the imagery is, is just... And we, Holy shit, man. Fantastic. <laughs> I'm super impressed with this. This might be my favorite thing I've read. Yes. Um, <laughs> you know what it reminds Other me than of? Other than, like, in... the one guy said, keep it up, you fuckers, or something. <laughs> right. Like... This just makes me think of I just envision Deesh Penhollow. Who that's the that's the guy. Um, it's almost like the, uh, the the bit from SNL where John Belushi is old and goes to the gravesite of all of his SNL co-stars and he's dancing on their graves after telling everyone the terrible ways that they died. Of course, <laughs> that's what it's making me think of. But uh, this poster that I promised to talk about never did. This is a thing, this is this was a Photoshop that was online of the Justice League, and poor Deej got this as a prize. And I don't know, I, I don't know if I would trash it or display it proudly, but some bastard gave this away as a prize. And it's a terribly Photoshopped picture of the Justice League. It's like Chris Pine as Green Lantern, Josh Hartnett forced into a Flash costume. I can't even tell who Cyborg is. It looked um, Ray Fishery. It wasn't Ray Fisher, it though. And, you know, fishery. this was way before Ray Fisher fishy? was even It just involved. looked fishy. It just looked fishy. That's what you're looking for. And, I mean, it might have worked for a desktop background at some point before we actually had real pictures of the Justice League. Well, now we have the actual, the, we have the, the, the pictures, the high-def freaking right. pictures of, of everyone except, like, uh, my first thought when you uh, you sent me that picture was, why is there a lantern in there? Mm-hmm. Uh, hold on now why is there so much green um and then you realize that it looks like you know someone shoved john ham's face into batman's mask and you go oh yeah yeah we've, something's oh, okay. wrong here i got it i got it um <laughs> the, the my major two thoughts looking at that poster um and by the way it reminded me of the like the towel you have of, of the justice league mm. which is the animated justice League. i know i know but like the way they were the way they were placed, it, it reminded me of that. Mm-hmm. Um, I can see that. But, and, and, well, that's another thing. It made me sad that this didn't include Martian, but I, I just may never mm-hmm. get that in that. So I'm so so thankful for Supergirl. Yeah, he's been kind of pushed out. I know. I'm sad. But uh, my my two overwhelming thoughts were, you know what? Chris Pine looks great. Let's cast him. Mm-hmm. And two, I'm sorry, Hartnett. I have nothing against you, but Ezra Miller's just so damn excited to be the Flash. Mm-hmm. Let him go. I think the only person I would have really wanted to see other than Ezra Miller at this point, that wasn't Grant Gustin, um, would be Ryan Reynolds. Yeah, he'd do it. But anyway. So that does, for our our giveaway, that brings us up to six reviews. Four more, and we'll have a drawing. So come on, guys. Four more. Next time we can do this. We could, we could give away another thing. That'd be just like uh, John Lynette. Have you guys seen that on our Facebook or Twitter? Like we were, we wound up being responsible for giving his daughter her first comic book. Man, he posted that shit, and I, I, I got all tears. Uh, yeah, it's ridiculous. That, that that made me extraordinarily sappy. I regret nothing. A little, 
just a little like the cutest little girl you've ever seen holding a Superman for all seasons. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty great. So um, that's going to do it for our show. Uh, we will be doing a shortened Saturday recording of the news this coming week, uh, along with our reviews of Gotham, Lucifer, Flash, and Arrow. Because on Monday, we're going to be going to see Batman Return of the Caped Crusaders in the theater, Fathom Event. Um, and then we're going to be bringing you a review of that directly after. Mm-hmm. Possibly so, from a car. We'll see. Probably from a car. <laughs> but that wouldn't be the first time you've heard that from nope. us. <laughs> um, thank you so much for listening, guys. You can find every episode at DCOnScreen.com. You can find us on iTunes and Stitcher. Um, like I said, give us those reviews, be entered in. Come on guys, do it. Um, we are a proud member of the giant size team up network, giant size team Thank you to Charles McFall for being a good sport and coming in and saying stuff. And <laughs> <laughs> we're a proud member of the and we Batman don't know how that happened, Charles, and I'm sorry in a way. We don't, um, don't know what happened. I assume it's one of your people to investigate. You know, I didn't think about it, but it might be actually someone who thinks that Chris White's name is Charles and doesn't like the Batman Telltale reviews he's been doing. That's bollocks. He's been doing fine reviews. I know. So if that's the case... I don't know what to do. No, nutjob. We won't stand for that either. (laughs) Until next time, when there's going to be so many new shows, keep some DC on your screen.